You are listening to the Bay City Church Podcast. We are a church that is passionate about making Jesus famous. To learn more about us, visit baycity.church. Good morning, Bay City. Thank you for joining us today as we begin a new chapter for our church. If you are like me, you are probably still grieving and processing the departure of the Williams family from our church. And I know for me, it's it's been a whirlwind. I've had um, all kinds of emotions throughout this season. And if that's where you are today, uh, feeling a mixture of emotions and feelings, that's okay. I'm with you and I'm glad that you joined us here today. Uh, At the same time, while I have all those feelings, I also share a conviction that God isn't done with Bay City Church. God wasn't surprised by this transition, even though it may have been a surprise to us. He is still in control and our staff and our board and our leaders believe that he still has a good plan for our church and he has a good plan for the Williams family, even if that plan is no longer together. Uh, It's going to be different without Eddie and Sarah and their family here, but we do believe that God is calling Bay City Church to continue on in its mission. We believe that God wants to build on the foundation that's already been laid. It's God isn't done with Bay City. And so it's to that end that I really want to invite you to stick with us in this transition. Uh, Our management team and staff together, we have created a plan to continue the mission and the ministry of Bay City Church. You're going to be hearing a lot more about that plan in the coming weeks. Uh, But in order for us to move forward, we are going to need your support, your involvement, your participation in this season more than ever. Our team here at Bay City, we remain uh, available to help you process, to help you think through this transition, to answer any questions you have. But we also are here to lead us forward as together we trust God and we take steps in faith, believing that God has uh, a good plan for Bay City's future. And so I want to invite you into that Uh, process and into that journey that we believe God had a plan when he brought you here and God continues to have a plan for you here at our church if you would join us on that mission. And so I want to take a little bit of time though, a little bit of extra time that I wouldn't normally take to introduce myself a bit and to share some vision that I have for Bay City Church. Uh, Today I am going to preach a bit of a sermon but I also just want to share a little bit so that you know me a little more uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet. Personally, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. I visited San Francisco for the first time in 2001 when I was a gangly freshman in college. And at that time, I was studying at a Christian university. I was preparing for Christian ministry. And I knew in my heart, I had a sense of calling that I wanted to be involved in starting new churches in cities where there were very few Christians. And so I came to San Francisco as a part of a spring break trip. This is very like Christian college spring break trip uh, to help with the one year anniversary of a new church in the Sacramento area. And I got to spend some time though visiting the Bay Area. And it was during this time and on this trip that I really began to feel a sense of calling to San Francisco. Uh, The Bay Area has long been one of the cities in North America with the smallest percentage of Christians. And as a person who grew up really uh, consciously rebellious and opposed to God, I love San Francisco. Uh, I love being in a city where people don't just default to religious, cultural Christianity. I love being in a place where there are many people who are passionate, who are driven, who are opinionated. I love being in a place where people ask difficult questions about faith. 
This is a city and a region that feels more like home to me than anywhere I've ever lived in my life. And we're committed to being here for the long term. And after that trip in college, I met my wife at the same university, and we, who, she is amazing. I can't wait for you to get to meet her more. Uh, she grew up in church and around church ministry. Her father was a lead pastor of a church. Most of her aunts and uncles are in ministry. Sometimes I joke that I married into this ministry mafia. Uh, she spent basically her whole life around church, but in a good way, not in a creepy, awkward, uncomfortable way. Uh, it was a healthy, wonderful ministry family to grow up in. And she's incredibly wise and wonderful. She's the better half for sure of us. And I can't wait for you guys to get to know Rachel more as we together help lead and shape things moving forward. Uh, Rachel and I together, we decided that we wanted to give our lives and our careers to seeing new churches started. And so as a couple, we spent uh, the first years of our marriage as a at a church plant in Bangkok, Thailand. And we worked uh, alongside some, some missionaries and church planters there working with at-risk youth. Uh, we had an amazing learning experience in Thailand. And from there, we worked with a team, a brand new team, to lead and launch what's now a family of churches in Japan. And all of this time, though, throughout our time in Thailand, throughout our time in Japan, I continued to love the Bay Area, to wonder if God might someday allow or, or, or allow us to live and minister here. And it was a great gift that about seven years ago, God did just that. As a part of my work with The Orchard Group, which is a ministry that's dedicated to starting new churches in cities around the world, it's one of the groups that helped start Bay City, uh, I was able to move here seven years ago. And when our family, we first moved here, we were able to serve this brand new church. It was called Redemption Church. It is called Redemption Church. And for six years, we served in a variety of roles at Redemption. And we worked to see this small, struggling church stabilize and grow into this faithful and dynamic church in Western Edition, kind of NOPA, part of San Francisco. And during that time when we were Redemption, we were able to welcome this dynamic couple as interns. They were called from Utah to start a new church in the southeast part of San Francisco. And at Redemption, we were glad to welcome the Williams family to have a place to land when they first moved here. And I loved Eddie's vision, and we were so glad to, to, to see this new church launch in the city and this region that we loved. We even had the chance to preach a few times in Bay City's first year. And then about a year ago, our family began to feel like God might be calling us to join this new church, uh, to join Bay City, to uh, come here and support Eddie. And so in January, we made that decision and we transitioned over to become a part of Bay City Church. I began to serve as a volunteer elder and we sort of imagined our roles as supporting Eddie and Sarah for years to come. And we looked forward Early this year, to so slowly integrating into the life of this church, we had plans to launch a small group, and then COVID happened, and uh, we, spent, we spent the first months, really, of our time at Bay City holed up at home with our family and trying to survive the shelter in place, just like so many of you had. But slowly, even though we haven't been able to meet in person, we've been able to get to know more of you here at Bay City. And we are excited to continue the work alongside the leaders that God has already brought here, Jose, Jalisa, our small group and city group leaders. Uh, it really is something that's exciting and invigorating for us to do. And throughout this time as a new elder, Eddie and I, we've dialogued and we've prayed for Bay City throughout this season. We discussed together some of the challenges that his family faced. And while there's no question that we <laughs> hate that they're leaving, um, we understand why, 
and we support them in that desire to move. And we're ready to step in and lead Bay City in this next season. And I can tell you for sure, I don't know exactly what the long term is going to look like. But our family's hope and our intention is to serve this city and this church in one capacity or another for years to come. Uh, honestly, if I'm honest about my own story, it feels like much of my life and my experience is preparation for a moment like this. For a season like this, serving you here at Bay City. And while it could feel like a surprise and not what I expected, it's again not a surprise to God. We can trust Him in this. And in time, I think my role might change. I have a full-time job. Uh, but we are committed to you, to this city, and ultimately committed to the God that we believe brought us here, called us all here together for this very moment. And so today I want to pray and I want to ask you to join me in praying right now. And then I want to share some future hopes that I have for, for Bay City Church and, for, and really to invite you in to join uh, this vision, this continuation of the mission. So would you join me in praying and then I'll share some more. God, I want to thank you for Bay City Church. I want to thank you for the work that you've done here. I want to thank you for Eddie and Sarah. I want to thank you for the many people that sacrificed to make this church a reality. God, for the people who continue to lead and guide and shepherd in the midst. God, we pray that you would call, call more of us here to be a part of this. God, that you would call those of us who are here and give us a vision for the future. Lord, that we might link arms together and see your church thrive and be established and the foundation that you built this on, God, would prove to be strong and that we would have a decades-long fruitful ministry here in San Francisco and beyond. God, be with Bay City Church in this next season. That's your name we pray. Amen. So, guys, um, the, the couple things I want to share with us this morning and really for the rest of our time are two prayers and then nine quick things uh, that I hope God would make true of Bay City as we move forward. That might seem crazy. Two prayers, nine things. The structure of the sermon is a little insane. I apologize in advance. It's not as long as it may sound, so stick with us. So here's my first prayer for Bay City. I want to pray that Bay City would be a community that is all about Jesus. I pray for Bay City to be a community that is all about Jesus. And I want to read from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. We're going to be hanging around that section today. Uh, let me read that for us, okay? It says this, again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a, chosen, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense." They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. God is showing something in this text. He's, uh, showing, he's showing that he's building something. And there are a lot of images and metaphors that are, that are used here, but the dominant one is a picture of God building a home or a physical building of some kind. And this is a metaphor of what God is doing when he builds the church. Christians are pictured as sort of living, alive stones that he's building together into a spiritual house. 
And God, he's pictured here as this divine architect, this one in control, executing a plan that he's had since the beginning. He is uh, since the beginning of time. And so central to his architectural plan is Jesus. He is the cornerstone of this building. And that idea of a cornerstone, it's one that's largely lost in contemporary construction. But at that time, it, it, had the, it connoted the idea of a foundation or of a baseline or of a guideline. In the ancient world, you know, they didn't have laser cutting, you know, machines and all that. When many homes were built with rocks that you might just find, uh, the cornerstone was absolutely critical. It was supposed to be the very first stone that was laid down. It needed to be perfect in every shape. Every side of it needed to be right. Because all of the other stones were going to be placed off of that cornerstone. It was going to be based off its position. Stones would be placed on the sides, on the top of the cornerstone, and the angles, they all needed to be perfect. If the cornerstone was flawed, the, if, if the cornerstone wasn't right, there was at least uh, there, a potential that the building wasn't going to be correct. The cornerstone needed to be perfect. And I think that this is really great news for those of us who are Christians, as God is building us, Bay City, into a spiritual home. Uh, we are a local church. We're part of the wider global body of Christ, and we are being built into a home. And the cornerstone of that home, the model of that home, is not me. It's not, it's not you. It's not Eddie. It's, it's not other Christians or other churches. Those aren't our models. It's Jesus Christ himself. The model, the church, the, the, the model, the cornerstone, the foundation, the starting point for any church and our church is Jesus Christ. He is our model. He is our cornerstone. But this is also really good news for those of us who aren't Christians. Maybe you're someone that's sitting next to someone who's making you watch this right now. Uh, you might be exploring the faith. At its ultimate core, Christianity is not a philosophy. It's not a worldview. It's not a collection of religious texts. It's not a political party. It's a relationship with a person, Jesus Christ. And definitely many crazy things have been done by Christians throughout history. Uh, we are all misshapen stones that have been at times obscured that perfect model of our cornerstone, Jesus. But if you truly want to explore Christianity, you have to start with Jesus. He is the stone that you need to examine. He is what this is all about that it's built off of. And I think, I know for me, sometimes I can believe and be frustrated and, and think that, you know, the biggest obstacle to a person becoming a Christian is, is other Christians. It's, it's our hypocrisy. It's our cultural differences. And it's the way that we've linked up with certain political parties or, or the, 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 the things that we've done, especially in the last few years. You know, Christians, we haven't always represented Christ well in the U.S. And we aren't always helping. Sometimes we are the actual obstacles in the way. But if I'm really honest with you and honest with what the text says, all of this, all of that obstacle that we present pales in comparison to the claims that Jesus makes about himself, to the obstacle that he sets himself up as. If you were to sweep away all of that Christian baggage, all of the, the junk of relationship that you might have with Christians or observed in their hypocrisy, if you were to sweep all of that away, you are still left with a man who says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a stumbling block. Jesus, he claims to be God. He claims to be the ultimate truth, the only way to salvation, the highest example of living. And he refuses to be anything else. He refuses to be anything other than the cornerstone of your life. 
He won't be an additional architectural feature. He's not an add-on uh, to some kind of personal religious building you're making. He refuses to be anything other than the foundation, the model, the baseline, the cornerstone. This is true for us as individuals and it's true for us as a church. And I recognize that that focus on Jesus, it might sound offensive in a world in which most of us believe that we're self-creating reality. We imagine each of ourselves to be determining what's true and what's good for ourselves. But if Jesus is who he says he is, he's not just a stumbling block. He is the actual door, the entry point into a life of love, of joy, of peace, of hope, of forgiveness, of justice, of grace. And I pray that we, that Bay City Church, would be a church that is all about Jesus. My second prayer this morning for Bay City Church is that we uh, would be a people, that Bay City would be a people who are called by God, who are reformed by God, and who are sent by God into his world. People that are called by God, reformed by God, sent by God into his world. I love this text in 1 Peter, and it describes the church being all about Jesus. And in addition, it also shows this kind of progression, this kind of cycle even. Uh, as a church, we're all followers of, as a church and also as followers of Jesus, you know, we're first called by God. He calls us into relationship. And then we are reformed, we're discipled, we're transformed, we're reshaped into Christ's image. And as he's doing that, we are sent out, empowered by God's spirit on mission in his world. And here's my hope and vision for Bay City Church um, in nine jumbled together points. That we would believe and that we would know first that we are called, reformed, and sent. And that we are to be a people who call, reform, and send. And so for the rest of the morning, I want to unpack each of those elements, called, reformed, and sent. And give nine very concrete hopes for Bay City Church under each of those categories. Again, called, reformed, sent. Let me read for you 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 10, continuing on where we were. It says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The beginning of all things, including our relationship with God, begins with him. He is the one who initiates relationship with us. He has chosen us. He has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once we were not a part of a people, we were on our own outside of this, this family, but he has called us, he has shown us mercy, he called us into this new family, the church. But this calling from God, it's not just for us. And it's, it's not just for us to escape from the world, to join some separated, cloistered community. No, we're called by God to proclaim the excellencies of the God who calls us. But my first hope for Bay City is that we would be a called people who call people to faith in Christ. We'd be a called people who call people to faith, faith in Christ. I was talking to another pastor friend of mine who works in another organization that helps start new churches. And we were talking about how can we, what are the common things that a church needs to have in order to continue to be outward looking? What are the key elements for churches and for Christians uh, that ensure that we're the kind of people who share our faith? What, what do we need to have in order to do that? What are, what are the common things that a church needs that, that invests in starting other churches? And the thing that we agreed upon is that the, the most important thing in order to be that kind of church is that, that each of us need to remember as individual Christians that once we were not Christians, that once someone invested in us, 
someone shared with us the gospel. And as a church, we need to remember that once we were not a church, right? Someone invested time and money and effort to see our church come into existence. And so for each person at Bay City, I want us to vividly, even if you need to, you know, take a moment, pause, remember, talk after this, that there was a person, uh, a parent, a friend, a teacher, a coworker, maybe a collection of people along the way who cared enough about us to do the difficult work of sharing the gospel message with us. Someone, some imperfect, uh, misshapen stone taught us, pointed us, invited us, and God used that person to call us to faith in Jesus. And I want us to remember that so that we might call others to faith in Jesus as well. Who are the people that God had used in your life? And who are the people that God wants to use you to call to faith in Jesus? We want to be a church that, that, that sees our friends, our family members, our coworkers come to joyful faith in Jesus. And we want to see them baptized into the new, this new family. I love that at Bay City we've been able to see that happen. And I can't wait till we're able to be in person and see baptisms happen again. I also want us to be a church that recognizes that other churches and other individuals sacrifice that so that we, Bay City, would exist. There is this collection of partnering churches, we call them our management team, uh, and the leaders from those churches represent, um, represent the, the churches and, and they help advise us. And those churches have sacrificed like significantly to fund and to launch and to support Bay City and they remain supportive of our work. And that's part of the thing we would normally celebrate our anniversary, which happens to be this week. We are now formally two years old. I don't know how we celebrate in the midst of this transition, but congratulations, Bay City. We made it to two. And we want to remember in this moment that once we were not a people, we were not a church, we were not a community. And even with the bumps along the way, we are now. And God is joining and he's forming us together into a new church. And as we remember our story as a church, if we, as we remember the sacrifices the Williams made, if we remember the sacrifices other churches made, if we remember the sacrifices many of you have made, I pray that as we remember our history, we remember those sacrifices, that it would inspire and compel us forward. That it would inspire us and compel us to be the kind of church, people that continue to sacrifice for this church. And that it's someday we would be the kind of church that sacrifices to see other churches started. That this movement wouldn't ha stop with Bay City, but that we would be a part of accelerating and advancing it. My second hope for Bay City under that idea of, of called is that we would be a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational people. That we'd be multi-ethnic, multicultural, and a multi-generational people. If we indeed believe that God is at work calling people to himself and that and then he's calling people to faith in Jesus we also know that he's not just calling us that God is calling people who look differently than us whatever your ethnicity your culture your age God is actively calling all kinds of people to himself people who are very different than each of us and I love the book of Revelation, and it gives us this picture, this preview of what a church is going to look like in heaven. And it's, it's a wonderful little image. And so let me read from you Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. This is a picture of what a church will look like in heaven, of what Bay City will look like in heaven. Revelation 7, verses 9 through 10. It says this, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell on their faces before the throne. And they worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving, honor and power might be to our God forever. Amen. That is the picture of where we're headed as a church. And I love that we are in a city that reflects so much of the diversity of our world. Uh, the, the Bay Area is a diverse place. Bay City has always reflected that wonderful diversity. And I want to continue that reflection. And if I'm 100% honest with you, if I have any big fears in stepping into this role for however long the season might be, it's that my ethnicity might hamper and not help us pursue this multi-ethnic vision. Uh, I'm sensitive to that. I'm, 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 I'm wanting you to hear me say that I'm worried about that and be, and be honest and vulnerable. Positively, um, as I'm older than many people in the Bay Area, I do think I'm helping us become more multi-generational, I guess. Uh, but seriously, I'm really sensitive to matters of race and ethnicity and, and what having a white pastor means for a multi-ethnic church. I'm, I'm passionate about this and I have experience in multi-ethnic church and in cross-cultural ministry. And I just want you to hear me say aloud that I have some fears about what me being white might mean for us being a multi-ethnic church. But I also want you to hear that I'm committed. I am uh, committed and have decades of uh, track record of wanting to see that the communities and the organizations that I'm a part of reflect the diversity of God's kingdom. And that I'm committed to seeing Bay City continue as a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and increasingly multi-generational church. I have experience in uh, multi-ethnic ministries and church contexts in cross-cultural ministry. And I know that for us as we seek to realize this vision that some of our personal preferences, some of my personal preferences, are gonna to continue to need to be laid down. But I also know because I've seen it, and I've seen it in beautiful ways, that if we lay down our, our cultural and our personal preferences, that when we do this, we trade up for something so much better. We trade comfort and similarity for this greater good of unity and diversity. And it's amazing in God's sovereignty that this kind of diverse environment is really uh, uh, dynamic in forming us and shaping us and so uh, as we seek to have our character molded, as we seek to begin to be a church that is transformed and reformed by God, a diverse church is a massive gift because we all need to be changed. And when we're around people who are different and when we're pushed on our preferences and we have to struggle and con have conversations with people who are different, we're actually forced to grow. And so uh, I want us to continue to be a diverse church so that we look individually and corporately more like Jesus. And that leads us kind of to a second category of hopes uh, that I've called reformed. And Bay City, I want to be and to continue to be a reformed church. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, let me turn there really quick, verses 28 and 29. Uh, you can try to get there before me if you'd like, but Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 28 and 29. It says this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That text is one that I know for, that can be really complicated for sometimes for people. But as Christians, I want us to see in this that we're not just called by God to be a part of his family. We're also transformed. We're also being reformed. We're also being reshaped to look like Jesus. And this is true for us as individuals, but it's also true for us as a church. The Bible describes the church as the body of Christ, and we are called to look like and to represent Jesus to the world. 
And so as we are being reformed individually and as a church, here are some of my hopes for Bay City Church. Number three, that we would be a relationally connected people, that we would be a relationally connected people. And I know this is particularly challenging in the middle of the pandemic, but as we think about the process of, re of reformation or transformation that we see in this text, I'm reminded of something that I learned when I, I worked at one season as a small groups director at a church, and it's this, that uh, life change happens in the context of community, that life change happens best in the context of community. And while we 100% believe that attending on Sunday mornings is important, we look forward to being able to get back to that, that we think it's critical for you to view these on a device uh, by yourself, uh, we think those are big steps, we really hope that every person who calls Bay City Home is a member of one of our city groups. And we fully intend to relaunch and reopen these groups in September. We took off for the summer, but we think a big part of what we're going to be doing in the fall is, is, is adding fuel to these groups over time. And so we're going to keep you informed about that process over the next month. And in those groups, here's some things we want to see happen. Four things that I want to give you. I know I'm giving you so many points. Two prayers, nine hopes, four things for groups. But we want to see people connecting relationally. Uh, we want to see people actually know one another, to move beyond casual hellos to real relationships. We want to see people learning biblically. We are encouraging our groups to study the Bible together, to flesh out and apply personally what we're learning as a church, usually in conjunction with the sermon that we're preaching that week. The third thing we want to see is that we want to see people caring practically. We view these groups as the front line of caring for one another. And so even as you're processing this very transition, if you are in a city group, we would ask you to feel free to talk to your group leader about this. The, these guys are the front lines of caring for us as a church. And the fourth thing we want to see in our groups is we want to see people serving missionally. We want to encourage our groups to serve in the city. I know many of you have already done that to pick charities or causes that you're passionate about and to serve together as a group. And so if you are at Bay City or you think of Bay City as your home or you found us online and you want us to be your home, we want you to join a Bay City group. And if you're not, you're missing out. And I'm excited personally for our family to launch a new group this year. I'm excited to see our groups return to meeting virtually, but also as we're able and with safe social distancing requirements to begin to meet in person, maybe outdoors or in smaller groups. Uh, we are excited for our city groups to happen because we think that life change really happens in the context of that kind of community. The fourth hope that I have for Bay City uh, as we look into the future is that we would be a people who flourish in all of life that we would be a people, a community that flourish in all of life. And one of the things that I love most and I'm most passionate about in the local church is that unlike other ministries, you never age out of or graduate out of the local church. Even if you're in a college ministry, uh, eventually you graduate, hopefully. Uh, if you're in some kind of affinity-based ministry, like a men's business group or a group walking through a particular book or a grief group or a divorce counseling ministry, you know, eventually the need for that kind of group diminishes. And I'm not taking away from ministries like that. Um, that's just a natural process. But I think the local church is like the hub that you stay in and that keeps all of these other ministries working. And it's the uniqueness of the local church is that you can literally be like dedicated and born as a baby in a church. You can raise up in a children's ministry. You can be in a youth group. You can participate as a young adult and a college student. And you can be married in that church. And you can become a leader in that church. You could raise your kids in that church. You could have your funeral in that church. It's a consistent community for all stages of life. 
And I know we live in a transient society that most of us will live in different places and we'll go in and out of different churches, but the church can be for you, the Big C Church, a consistent community for all stages of life. And if you're here locally at Bay City, Bay City Church could be that for you. It could be the place that your kids are dedicated, that they're raised up in, that they're married in, that they serve in. And my hope for Bay City Church is that, and this is a long-term goal, is that we would be able to help people in every stage of life. Children, students, singles, married, elderly, people who are hurting, people who have questions about their jobs. Uh, we want all of these people to flourish in their faith and in whatever stage of life they're in. And I want you to be able to imagine for a little bit what it would look like to spend the rest of your days in this church. The rest of your time in San Francisco that God might have you here. The rest of your life if he keeps you in the Bay Area. What would it look like to spend the rest of your life in this church? I'm not asking for that commitment, I'm asking for that imagination. For us to look beyond the pandemic, what might it look like to build and to grow a community together that we could imagine and be excited about spending the rest of our days in? If you have ideas for how you could serve people in our community or in our city, come and tell us. Let's work together to build more ways that we can help, especially as we rebuild post-pandemic. I firmly believe that God has gifted each of us, each person who calls Bay City home, and he wants to use those gifts to help care, to mature, uh, to help serve people in our city and in our community. And how are we going to move forward with that? Here's my fifth hope, okay? My fifth hope is that we would be a people that learn, mature, and develop our gifts, that we would learn, mature in, and develop our gifts. If you've been uh, around Bay City for any time, uh, you know that we are a church that highly values the Bible. Uh, Eddie has always had a great collection of Bibles here. We've always had a big Bible here in front of you. Uh, we're a church that values the Bible, and our normal sermons are going to focus on studying a text of Scripture and understanding what the Bible has to say to us, to say to ourselves and to our neighbors and to our world. And we want to maintain that focus and always be a community that is learning from the Scriptures. And my hope really is that Bay City would be a kind of teaching hospital of sorts, if you want to use that metaphor, where we are learning on the job, where we are growing in our knowledge of God, where we are growing in our knowledge of how God has made us, how God has gifted us, that we're growing in our knowledge of what God's word calls us to do and how God might want to use you uniquely in this world. And we want to be a learning, developing, maturing people who use the unique gifts that God has given each of us and really, that's how I view my role as an elder and as a pastor. It's not to do everything for us, but to empower you to use your gifts to serve the body of Christ and to serve our neighbors and to seek the common good of our city. Let me read a text that summarizes that. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 11. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm sorry, verses 11 through 16. It says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all obtain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, for whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love.
That's my hope for Bay City Church. My sixth hope is that we would be a generous people. That we would be a generous people. Man, if there's anything I've learned living in San Francisco is that it is easy to believe in this city, the most expensive city in North America, that it is impossible to be a generous person. It is impossible to be a generous church. When we live in a city where we're paying thousands of dollars a month for rent, where jobs have now been lost, when the economy is in shamble, where do we find the money to be generous? And what I want to say to our church is that the key to generosity, it doesn't begin with an assessment of our personal profit margins. We, we don't look at our bank statement and then decide if we have the margin to be generous. Biblical generosity, the kind of generosity I want to mark Bay City, begins when we believe two things. First, that God has given us everything we need and more through Jesus Christ. And second, that Jesus is right, that he's correct when he says that it's actually more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 12. It says this, The point here is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must, for the, must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplied seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. Guys, I don't want us to believe the lie that we cannot be a generous people because we are in an expensive city or because we have student loans we, because we have student loans, we can't be a generous church. Uh, God has richly provided for each of us. For many of us, I know this is true financially, right? We, we, are, we are taken care of financially. But for all of us, it's true spiritually. That if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been given eternal life. You have a new family, the church. God has given you his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. What more do we need? And I want us to be a generous people because I think there is a, a unique blessing and because we serve a generous God. I'm really coming to you not because Bay City is in some crazy, terrible financial position. It's because I think in this season of transition and of difficulty, we show our faith in God by being generous in the midst of it. Of a God who's never been stingy, who's never withheld from us, but who sacrificed greatly on our behalf, who gave us his own son so that we might be reconciled to him. Lastly, and I'll try to make these go quickly, uh, I want to look at how God has sent us. So he's called us, he's reformed us, and he's sent us. Okay? Bay City is a church that is sent. Uh, here's my last three hopes. Number seven, that we would be a people who bring justice to our city. The passage that we read in 1 Peter, it refers to us in, uh, in verses 11 and 12 as sojourners and exiles. And that's true. If you are a Christian, you have declared your allegiance to another nation. To another kingdom. You are not an American or a Nigerian or a Brit or uh, you know, a Mexican. You are a Christian and a part of another kingdom first. And at the same time, you live here in this world and you weren't sent away to live withdrawn and uninterested in the world around us. No, we are sent into these cities, into the place we find ourselves right now to seek the good and the welfare of the place we live in and the people that we live in near. 
And the language of exile in 1 Peter, it's something that the Jews of the, of the Old Testament would have understood. And if Jewish people were reading that, they would have totally understood. Their, their country, their capital, Jerusalem, had been destroyed by outside nations. And many of them were living in other countries. They were in exile, even in Babylon. And I want to read you this passage from Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. It's an incredible passage. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And catch this. They're not in the home country. They're in Babylon. It says this. Build houses. Live in them. Plant gardens. Eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage. That they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for it's in its welfare, you will find your welfare. We are to live here in San Francisco in a way that brings justice and increased good to the people around us. God has sent you here. And that means at times fighting injustice where we see it, acknowledging and honoring the common good we see, getting behind things that are for the good, that are for the good of others. Things that people are already doing. It means using our gifts and our vocation for the good of the people around us. We are to put down roots and seek the justice of our city. My eighth hope, and again, I'm going to keep going fast. We would be individuals who faithfully steward our individual vocations. That we would be people who faithfully steward our vocations. And that's vocation, not vacation. Uh, I'm sure we all wish we could have a vacation at this point. And vocation, it comes, that word comes from uh, the word vocare. It's a Latin word for call. And essentially your vocation is what God has called you to do with your life. Number eight, that we would be a people who faithfully steward our individual vocations. And that's vocation, not vacation. I'm sure we would all love a vacation right now. But vocation, it comes from the root word vocare, which is Latin for call. And essentially what your vocation is, is what God has called you to do with your life. It's, it's bigger than your mission. It's greater than your career. It's uh, more than your job. And it's, it's what should give meaning and significance to those things. Your life, your job, your career, they should all be aligned with and expressions of your vocation. Knowing your vocation, knowing your calling, it fills your job and your day-to-day -day existence with meaning. Maybe God has designed and called you to teach people, to care for people, to create meaningful art, do you testify to God by your hard work to create wealth for God's kingdom, to serve the most vulnerable? I hope and pray that you know your vocation, and I can't answer it for you. Uh, for me, I feel like my calling is to help everyone around me become who God created them to be. That is my, my real heart as a person and as a pastor. That's my mission. And I hope that in time, if you don't know your mission, you will learn and discover it here at Bay City. Lastly, number nine, my hope is that we would be a people who impact our neighborhoods, our city, and our world. That we would be a people who impact our neighborhoods, our city, and our world. I hope for Bay City to be a people that impacts the world. If you uh, are, as you probably know, many people are in San Francisco only for a short season. And obviously, if you've heard my heart in the sermon, you know that my hope is that many of you would consciously choose to put down roots here to make this your home and to seek the good of this city alongside us and, and to be in this for the long haul. But we also know that some of us are only going to be here for a season, that, that some of us God will send and call to new jobs, to new cities, and uh, we can view that either as a blessing or as a curse. And I know on one level, and you've probably felt this in the past few months, it stinks to have people we love and invest in move to another place. 
but we need to remember again that many of us have come from different places, that we were invested in by different people, that we created space in our communities for those who were new, that we grieved people who left, uh, that we were invested in by different people and different churches, and we can fight against this reality or we can embrace it. And my hope is that for whatever season of time you're here with us at Bay City, that you're here in the Bay Area, that it would be a blessing to you and that you would take that blessing that you receive here and that you would invest it in others wherever God sends you. It's one of my, my hopes for Bay City that even in the midst of this transition that we would be a blessing beyond our borders as God sends those whom he called here eventually out. In closing, Bay City, we are in this very unique season. And in the midst of that, we are being called, we are being reformed, we are still being sent to be a people who call, reform, and send. And I want to invite you, even in the middle of this transition, in the middle of this pandemic, to join us in this mission. And so let me pray, and then I'll just give a little bit of information about the future. Let me pray. God, you're good. You are calling a church to be planted. You've established a foundation. And God, I pray that you would bring us together, that we would uh, join together in common mission, in common faith, so that we might be the people that you have called, that you have reformed, and that you are sending into the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Friends, next week, base, uh, Jose is going to be preaching, and then uh, I'm excited next week to really announce what we're going to be doing for the future, which is a really cool collaborative sermon, sermon series through the fall with another church. Uh, I'm genuinely really excited to tell you about this, so I hope you join us next week so you can see even more what we'll be doing at Bay City in the fall. Thank you for joining us today. Remember, visit baycity.church to connect or to learn more about us.